do in the house of the Lord. We're thankful that all of you are here. I appreciate you uh, worshiping and praising the Lord, and I am going to talk somewhat about, um, I've been teaching on Wednesday night out of the book of Romans, actually, Romans 6 and 7 and 8, and there were some things about about transformation and change, and and I uh, got to thinking about where we are with regard to, uh, you know, I wonder if the Lord looks at us and feels like, you know, here we are, I've given you the greatest power that has ever been known to man, better than nuclear power, better than any kind of power. It is resurrection power, and I, you have access to that. And how, you know, we at times, I think, don't access the power. And so I know we are, have a growing apostolic legacy. We have a great history. And I was thinking just about our history as a church and the number of ministries that came out of, out of this church as you go back in history and, and look at Brother Billy Cole and uh, Brother Hanby and others of young people that were grown up, grew up, and, and just uh, neighborhood kids. And the Lord used them mightily because they learned how to access the power of the Holy Ghost. And I know you may say, well, Pastor, I know how to access the power. And um, I asked Brother Heath before I came up what these plugs were that are in my house that have lights on them. And he said, GFCI. I don't know if you all have any of those in your house. They usually have them around the sink. And um, they have a, a special trip. If you take too much of power, it stops it. And that's, uh, they put those in, I think, because it's code. And uh, then um, my wife, when we first moved in, she uh, tried to plug a vacuum cleaner into different places that had other power. And she blew the circuit. And <laughs> that's been our history going back to our first house when we had round fuses that we had to screw in outside on the fuse box. <clears throat> We'd turn the air conditioner on, hit the microwave, and I'd be out there finding screw-in fuses. Now they made a nice where you can just flip the switch and uh, get the power back on. <clears throat> but most of us have, um, most of us here have electricity. There might be a few of you that don't. And uh, it's okay if you don't, if you have a generator outside somewhere that, that keeps it. But we, we think in that in terms of power. And here's a, a picture of a cartoon of a guy sticking uh, a screwdriver into a socket, which we know is bad. And, and as these babies grow up, 
the parents will have to find covers to put on the sockets and make sure because kids have a tendency that looks like a nice little hole and there's a nice little bobby pin and you don't want them to access the power too much, you know? And yet we know that if we, you know, want power, if we, whether it's to charge our devices or to turn on the light, we want to be able to access the power. And, and depending on the appliance, it may need more power. You know, like I said, a vacuum cleaner pulls a, a big load right at first, a microwave, big power surge. And that's much different than plugging in your phone or uh, plugging in something else. And yet that power is there to run your refrigerator, but it is the where the plug is, it's, uh, it only calls for so much. And then there are plugs, like I said, these GFCI that will limit that surge. And, and hopefully power doesn't just jump out at you. You know, maybe you've tried to plug something in and you don't want maybe a, a, a thousand amps. You just want two amps to charge your phone. And hopefully that whole thousand doesn't crawl up your arm because it would be a shocking experience. And uh, we used to have a thing that they put like in telephones. I don't know, Brother Chris, you may know what it was, but you would turn it and uh, it would give you a shock. And the more you turned it, you know, the, you know it was kind of like a telephone crank. That was uh, before probably both of our times, but uh, I can remember uh, holding one of those and somebody cranking it. But yet you had to hold the wires and it's obvious through the Bible that Paul, even when he talked to Timothy, who is son in the gospel, and I understand Timothy had the Holy Ghost, he was a minister, and yet Paul would use this word, stir up the gift of the God that was put in you on you by the laying on of hands. Why would he say, stir it up? Because he knew that we have to access it. And that is the guardian at that gate is our will. If I don't want to, the Holy Ghost won't just jump on you. You can sit in a service no matter how many people are worshiping, no matter how many people are accessing, and you, it won't force its way through. It won't knock the door down. It won't break open, and it won't say... I know some people have sat and they have, in their conversation, have said, I just couldn't stop. But at some point, they had to be willing to access the power. They felt it moving, but they had to open it up a little bit. Because if you don't open your door, guess what? You can't access it. It's like, me putting a charger on this chair and saying, I'm going to plug it into my phone and I don't understand why it's not working. If it's not plugged into the wall where the power is, you understand? Now we, we get that. And so I wanted to 
just take, and I know, we all understand we're apostolic and we understand about the power of God and the Holy Ghost and stirring it up and putting ourselves. But I, I wanted to show you what Paul said in Romans, the seventh chapter, and it uh, sort of goes along with Wednesday, although I didn't speak on this at all. Romans, the seventh chapter, I did read this verse, 15 through 18. For I do not understand my own actions. And Brother David Post in, his, in the lesson this morning talked about that. He, he was talking about what Paul was saying, and I'm putting it in the Amplified. You can read it in the King James. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but he said, I'm baffled. I am bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish. Now, probably you've never felt that way before. <clears throat> because what Paul said was, the, I do the very thing I loathe which my moral instinct condemns. Now, you've got to remember, the guy that wrote this was raised a Jew, was raised a Pharisee, was raised very strict code of the law. You want to talk about, you know, well, I was raised strict. You, you're talking about strict. They would count out mustard seeds of tithes, and they, would, they were strict about what they gave and how that, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, where, how far they walked on Sunday and what they did not to overdo it, and et cetera. They, there was no, oh, well, I'm gone vacation this week. No, no, I don't care where you are. We've traveled in Israel, and there are those that, it doesn't matter if they're staying at a motel, by, they won't even clean the rooms on Saturday. They, they, they observe that. They won't, you know, it's, somebody that's not Jewish will put out cold cuts. They're not going to start the fires. They're not, it, that's just the way it is. That's not just, you know, we talk about that. That's just the way it is. It happens that they're very, uh, we, we land, if you land in the evening, you have to wait until, you know, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night because they have to wait till sundown of Saturday night before they, the, the maid service will clean the room, will get it ready, et cetera, et cetera. So he was raised that way, and here he is struggling. He said, "If now, if I do habitually what is contrary to my desire, that means I acknowledge and agree that the law is good, morally excellent, and that I take sides with it. However, it is no longer I who do the deed, but the sin principle which is at home in me has possession of me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. Then he uses the word will. I can will what is right, but I can't perform it. I have the intention and the urge to do what is right, but no power, everybody say no power, to carry it out. So Paul here sounds exasperated, frustrated, even exhausted. He was raised with the law. He understood the law. In fact, in Philippians, he even reported that according as touching the law, I am blameless. I have kept the law. And that's pretty rigid. Yet he goes on to talk in, in Romans the 8th chapter about being carnal and a carnal life and about struggling with these things that are inside this flesh and the fleshly urges. 
Paul basically explains here in Romans the 7th that it's about having the power. And if you really want to have that transformation, you've got to stay plugged into the power. And then you have to make it your goal into when it's necessary to increase the power. When the flesh starts pulling one way, you got to increase the power this way to counteract it. And what happens is when, we, when the flesh gets us off track, the enemy then makes us feel like, well, you're, you're no good. You're terrible. And Brother David Post mentioned the grace of God. We, you're no good. You're not well. So what we do is we go, oh, yeah, I'll never do it. I'll never, I'll never change. I'll never. And I'm farther and farther away from the power. Instead of saying, uh-oh, this is a signal. I need to increase my amps. I need to get a little more power. When I realize that this is pulling me this way, I need more power. And that's why, unfortunately, you know, as Paul, when you read on down in this seventh chapter, Paul is very specific in the 25th verse. He said, wherefore, he is able, I'm sorry, in the uh, in Hebrews he said, he is able to save them to the uttermost which cometh by, unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for you. What are you saying? I'm saying the Lord is praying for us all the time. So there is power there. You can't think, well, I guess the Lord's forgotten about me. He's making intercession for us. What is he doing? He's interceding that we will tap into the power. He's saying, oh, Lord, help poor old pastor. He needs another dose of power. He's got it. Huh? I got the power. Paul, at the end of this seventh chapter was where he said, oh, unhappy, pitiable, and wretched man that I am. Who will release and deliver me from the shackles of this body of death? And then he answers his own question. The 25th verse. Oh, thank God he will through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our Lord. So then I, indeed I of myself with the mind and the heart serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, Paul tries to explain this a little earlier in this book of Romans, in Romans, the fifth chapter, and he uses two different Greek words. And it's important to recognize those differences because he, verse, chapter 5 and verse 10, it said, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Everybody say reconciled to God. What does that mean? That we got in right standing. We, we were filled with the Holy Ghost. We, we believed on him, believed he was able. We, 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 the petition was broken down. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son, the blood covers our sin. It is much more certain now 
that we are reconciled, that we should be saved. Wow, two different words. Now that you're reconciled, I need to get you saved. Now what did he mean by that? In the Amplified it says, daily delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrected life. That means daily accessing the power that got him out of the grave. What resurrected Jesus? The Holy Ghost. <laughs> and so salvation comes through that daily <laughs> deliverance. He explains it a little further in Corinthians when he said, we love to quote it, we're hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassment, are perplexed, unable to find our way out, but not driven to despair, pursued, persecuted, hard driven, but not deserted, to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Why? Always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered so that the resurrection, so that the life of Jesus may be shown forth in our bodies. He wants to live through us. But the only way to do that is to access the power that got him out of the grave. Because I'm going to tell you, as Brother David said, this whole point of things that we would have to do, Paul talked about it in Galatians, how important it was to be crucified with Christ so that the Jesus lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adherence. So Christ lives in me. Colossians, Paul talks about, you have received Christ, so walk. Regulate your lives and conduct in, in union and conformity with him. And how many of us could stand and say, yes, pastor, I, I, Christ lives in me. I walk in union with Christ. I walk in harmony with Christ 24 hours, seven days a week. So I do it all. Well, all of us would go, okay, I, I don't make it, right? And what does that, should that do to us is make us realize I need more power. Anytime I realize I'm not walking in harmony, I need more power. I got to access the power. Whatever's going on in my life, it, it's draining me, my battery dry. And I'm going to have to access the power. In fact, when you read in Thessalonians, Paul goes through a whole complete list. And, and I know most of you all live like Christ every day. And you fulfill 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verse 14 through the 25th verse. Let me, let me read it to you. Most of you encourage the timid and faint-hearted. You give help and give your support to weak souls. You're very patient with everybody, always keeping your temper. 
never repay evil for evil. You always aim to show kindness and seek to do good to one another and to everybody. You are happy in your faith. You rejoice. You're glad-hearted continually. You're unceasing in your prayers. You are praying with perseverance. Perseveringly. Thank God in everything, in everything, no matter what the circumstances, you are thankful and give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, everybody's depressed. Why, Pastor, are you preaching so hard? Then he goes on. And you know what he's basically saying? That you're going to have to have that. What's the next verse? Do not GFCI the Spirit. <laughs> I do not quench, control, whatever you want to call it, subdue, suppress. Do not spurn the gifts and utterances of prophets to depreciate the, depreciate the prophetic revelation or despise the inspired instruction or exhortation or warning, but test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good. To that, hold fast, abstain from evil, shrink from it, keep aloof from it. Oh, man. In whatever form or whatever kind it may be, and may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure, wholly consecrated to God, and your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfully, he says these last words. Faithful is he who's calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy, and he will do it. He will do it. And then after that, you know what he says? Brethren, pray for us. <laughs> Anybody ever felt like that? Oh, God, pray. I need, what, what spirit is he feeling? I need more power. I need more power. I need to access more power. Now, I understand most of us as apostolics, we've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. We, we know what it was to experience the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We know what it was to access the Holy Ghost. And yet, if you look in the word of the Lord on three occasions when the Bible talked about the Holy Ghost, it actually likened it to being drunk. And there's a difference in taking a sip and getting drunk. And Ephesians, the fifth chapter, it's always been a favorite of mine. It said, do not get drunk with wine wherein is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
know some of you may have not ever experienced a filling, maybe unless it's Thanksgiving meal. But there have been a few times in my life when I've been, what I would say, filled with anger. And there are other times that I'm angry, but I'm not filled with anger. Anger. You understand what I'm saying? There are times that I am mad, but I'm not filled with mad. Pain, you know, after you reach a certain age, you kind of wake up with pain all the time. But thank the Lord, very few times I've been filled with pain. And yet, you know, if somebody all of a sudden, ugh, something happened, maybe for that moment, that minute, that five minutes, I'm just filled with pain. Brother Heath said he started a roof on his, redoing the roof on his house, and he said all the screws that they put in years ago are now talking to me, and even some that I didn't have. And yet, I am sure I could talk to Brother Galoni, I could talk to Brother Roger, I could talk to some that have experienced treatments and pain, and they can tell you there is a difference in being filled with pain and having pain. And yet the Bible uses the Greek word filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, you, you can talk about being filled with rage, and yet I've probably never been so filled with rage that I saw red, that I would, would but have done anything. Never been that way. I've never, you know, jealous, yes, but not filled with it. Hurt, pain, joy, maybe joy at seeing a grandchild, being able to hold that baby, but yet even that, I don't know, filled me with joy. Maybe for a moment, it was joyful, it was wonderful, but I don't know that it filled me. You, you understand the difference? And yet, when you read about Luke and John the Baptist, it says he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Acts, the second chapter where they talked about these men are not drunk like you think they're drunk, but they have just received and been filled with the Holy Ghost. But I want to tell you, this was not the only time they got filled. You, you will read later on where Simon Peter was filled on the day of Pentecost and then after they get thrown in jail on the Acts, the fourth chapter, he says, Simon stood up and all of a sudden he was filled with the Holy Ghost as he began to talk to the Sanhedrin. And those of you that have had the Holy Ghost know what it is to all of a sudden you are just accessing, it feels like, 220. Huh? And then at other times, just... You know, and here in church, we kind of 
touch it, and I understand, and we kind of know how to regulate it. I, I don't, I don't want a full charge. I just, woo. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. I may stand and go, yeah. Then there, you know, a few times I'm just going to kind of get a little bit lost, but not totally. <clears throat> but let me tell you, if you need the Holy Ghost, it can help you, it can deliver you, it can set you free, it can change your life, it can change your very DNA, it can make you a complete new creature, but you have got to access the power of the Holy Ghost, and you've got to continue to come back and access it. You say, well, Pastor, I got the Holy Ghost, whoo, I got it, and you know, every Sunday morning I kind of get a little, whoop, up down my spine, and that keeps me for a couple hours. That's like talking about charging your phone. Think about it. I know some of y'all come in once a week and charge your phone just for about two hours on Sunday morning. And you keep using your phone all week long. Huh? And you look up things and access your email and check it out. I see people with the glow of the Lord on them on Sunday morning. I look down and, oh, no, that's the, the light from their phone. It's not. The, I look out and I think, wow, they are really accessing the spirit. And then I look and they're, you know, doing this. And it, it's, it's fun because, you know, all of a sudden it's like a spotlight. Boom. <laughs> I say, wow, they're getting the Holy Ghost right there. And then I realize, oh, no, it's not the Holy Ghost. It's a... But they, you don't charge your phone but once a week for about an hour, right? Two hours? Huh? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, listen, I got to have my... In fact, I get in my car. I got to find the wire because, I, I, you know, wherever I go, I got to make sure I... I My mother made me buy her a little battery that she'd plug in and take it with her because she I always make sure. Y'all never had to do that. I got to access that power bank, huh? How much more? Oh, what are you saying? I'm saying here we are. <laughs> And, you know, every church service, I get a little touch, and yet Simon had to, he was filled more than once. Paul, Ananias prayed for him that he was filled. In chapter 13, the Bible says Saul, who was called Paul, was filled with the Holy Ghost. This hour, as we get nearer and nearer the coming of the Lord, and as the spirits of the Antichrist and the spirits of, of all the stuff that's out there get stronger and stronger, it is going to be us that are going to have to show the world how to access the power of the Holy Ghost. We need more power now than ever before. You say, I can do it. I can handle it. I can be kind and peaceful and kind and loving and I can do all those things all the time. I can be like Jesus. I can be saved. Oh, 
honest confession, I, I need more power. And every week I live, I realize, you know what? I, gotta, I, I need a little more power. I can't just get a touch on Sunday morning. I'm going to have to pray, maybe get something on Sunday night, maybe pray back through on Monday morning. Huh? You say, well, I'm depressed because I need more power. Are you depressed because your phone runs out of power? When you've been on it for five hours? Do you go, oh, man, this is a terrible phone. Then you go, yeah, i got to shut down all these extra apps, and I've got to, and finally you reach a point where i got to go buy a new one because that battery is not holding the charge like, y'all never said those things. Huh? And I wonder when the Lord looks at us and he says, I got power for you, but I need you to plug into it. I got power for you, but I need you to plug into it. You say, well, I'm struggling. Plug into the power. I'm, 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 I'm having problems. Plug into the power. And, and I'm telling you, there's power, power, wonder working power through the blood, through the Holy Ghost. I know, would you be free from your burden of sin? Let me tell you, there's power. There is enough power that will free you, that will set you free, that will set you on fire. But you've got to plug into the power. Let's stand. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come. We're going to get ready. Baptize. Hallelujah, hallelujah.